I was very tired, but no more, for I've met a very vital artist. Once again, I'm delighted. We're on the fifth floor, Etage Saint. That's right, that's right. The voice is that of Marcel Marceau. You are not too well acquainted with his voice. You're acquainted with his pure art, that of the mime. And we, from the window, we see a good deal of Paris, but next to me, I see a man who is full of vibrance and perhaps can tell us more of his art. First of all, Marcel Marceau, I'm so delighted to see you again. Thank you, Studs. You know, I, w I was afraid that uh, I'd miss you. You just came into Paris uh, well, two yes. days. Where were you? Well, uh, since we left the States in uh, Chicago, if you want, in the 58, I think, uh, we went to, to the festival of Vancouver in Canada. And after I presented a show with all my company in Paris at Le Théâtre de l'Ambigu for one year, that means 350 representations. And these uh, three shows uh, included first the small circus, then the overcoat by Nicolas Gogol, and the third show was called Paris, Paris qui rit, Paris qui pleure, Paris which laugh, Paris which cries. And then uh, after this uh, big uh, stay in Paris, we were to Mexico City and Guadalajara, all Mexico, and we were in Portugal, in Yugoslavia, in uh, Israel, and uh, now we have tour in Germany. We have done 40 performances in one month, and we are just uh, starting again in three, four days for Holland, and after Holland, yes. we go to India, and after India, we come back to the United States. Well, as I listen, as you name this itinerary, and it's a vast one, I think of your art. Everyone in the world understands your art. There is no barrier here of language. You're right, you're right. Uh, for instance, I, I should say, uh, even, that there is no German or American or in, uh, French or Italian laughter or cry. We say in France, le rire est le propre de l'homme. Laughter that is universal. It's not the proper of man. Belongs to man, really. Laughter belongs to man. That's yes. a that's a beautiful yes. comment. Yes. Yes. And the art of the of the meme. Yeah, well, the the meme expresses the deepest feelings and um, uh, aspirations of human beings. I was thinking, as you're talking about this, there are friends here in the background and the engineer, and this is all right. No, I think I think this is good. Uh, for, for our talk, because we're sitting here and speaking very informally, thinking about the meme expresses the, the aspirations of man. Uh, the art of the meme, uh, we saw the movie, Les Enfants de Paradis. Yes. You know. was, this a, uh, would the, was this art beaten down by the spoken theater? Well, no, I don't think so. I think it's a very funny thing that since this film, Les Enfants de Paradis, when you speak to people, asking them to remember the film, we will be very surprised to see that what I remember really is the pantomime in the film. If you take the pantomime by itself only, without the spoken words and the, nothing will be left because the pantomime by itself, by itself for that film will have no special meaning. But beside the spoken words, it makes such a complete show that if you ask after to people what remains, they will remember the, the pantomime of yes, the watch. Of they will remain just 
what is visual. What is visual. And that is very important. Yes. Ah. And since we made, for instance, uh, we had other examples. I don't speak only of the show of the theater, but I made two shorts which have been seen in the United States. That's right. And the park. And the park. Uh, did yes. you see the park? Oh, yes, indeed. What do you think about the park? Do you <laughs> like it? I don't know. You're yeah. asking me a leading question, of course. Yeah. I love it. Yes. <laughs> because uh, coming back to you and the park and the meme and the various... You said the meme expresses the aspirations of man. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, aspiration of man means that it expresses everyday life first. Frustration, or hopes, sorrow, joy, tragedy, comedy. Because the mean art cannot lie, because when you rely on words, it is possible sometimes to say things you don't even feel or think. I don't say the words is not a fine and great art. I think that every art has its greatness and its limits. But in the art of mime, it is so pure. That is, you can express the, you have to express the most important things. And if you lie, you see it immediately. Because with a gesture, it is the moment of truth. You cannot lie with gestures. A pantomimist cannot lie. No, he cannot. Because he's not understood if he lies. And if he's not understood, there is nothing. In other words, he has to be clear. He has to be clear, simple, and people have to identify with themselves when they see him. Of course, we have different ways of expressing pantomimes. We have pantomimes which can be a little cheap, let us say. That is, it's not an art of imitating people or what you see every day. You have to, to attain a degree of high level. That doesn't mean intellectual, because everything which is false intellectual is too abstract and we have no contact with it. But I think it has to uh, attain a great degree in the form, like music. And we have to attain a degree of poetry, which make it, f you, which make that everybody can identify himself in the highest level, you see. But we have to be clear and never lose the contact with the real world. He communicates. Yes. The pantomimist communicates. He can't be obscure ever. That is, he shows what is invisible, he makes it visible, and what is visible, it, may, it, may, it makes it invisible. That's poetry. For instance, uh, it's art also, you struggle with elements, and you have every day a fight with elements. You struggle with your soul, with your life, but you have to choose the material which is essential for life. Would you mind explaining that some more? You choose the material that is essential for life. For instance, when I say struggling against the wind, or going up, up, upstairs and downstairs, or pulling a tug of war, or being at, a, at the fair, or being in a small cafe, or being in a public garden, or representing youth, old age, and death, that is the things without which you cannot live. And if you give, for instance, the pantomimes of Bip, you have to portray a character which is reconnaissable, you can identify with him because he belongs to the society. For instance, Bip at a social party, Bip is skating, Bip is traveling on the sea, Bip is a street musician, a frustrated street musician, Bip wants to die because his uh, fiancée has left him, he's in love, or Bip uh, is a lion tamer, or I, can, I could give you 20, 30 examples that, that made Chaplin so great, I think, because just he found in his first films... The Little Tramp. The Little Tramp, The Little Man. And later, of course, I love Chaplin even in his great films. I think he's a great, great mime, but he expressed everything in the movies. But the technique I express is in the theater, which is quite a different art. And if you allow me, starts, I will tell you what I, I mean with that. Please. The art of the in, the, in the movie, people go because they want reality. 
They want the illusion through the reality. But in the theater, they find through illusion the reality. You start in the theater first with illusion and you create reality. In the movie, through the reality, you give the illusion. Good films, of course. And there are complete different techniques. For instance, <coughs> people go to the movie because they want to live, really, and to cry, to see, to live and die with the hero. or to, because Vicariously, we call they it. Are really, they dream with him. That's why mm -hmm. his movie is a great opium for the big mass and also for people who love really uh, movies. It is uh, an inside eye looking really deep in your heart mm -hmm. with a close-up and everything. The theater, of course, is on another more transposé level. You have to see, for instance, if a man dies, let us say in the mime art, because I don't speak about the word theater, let us take about pantomime in the movie or pantomime in the theater. In the theater, when the hero dies, everybody knows he doesn't die really. In the movie, he dies really for the public. And in the theater, they know it is illusion, but they get the poetry and they are moved, and they are moved in a concerto of Bach or Mozart. Uh, they are moved by the form, by the poetry, and also by the meaning, which after all, that's why I said, through the illusion, they get the reality. Through illusion, they get reality. Yes. And I think of the illusions that you manufacture, not manufacture, that's the wrong word, that's a fake they word, that you create. Recreate, yeah. you see? Yes. I was just about to ask, uh, there's so many questions I want to ask you. Uh, that what you've been said raises many. First of all, let's identify BIP. Is BIP all humanity? BIP, to, to remind yes. the audience of Chicago, BIP was Marceau with the white with the little rose yes. in his hat. Tell us yes. about BIP and the rose and who he is. BIP and the trembling rose is a continuation of Arlequin, of the Piero, the white Piero, the clown, you know, uh, Punch. You see, there is a correlation between, in the history, there is a correlation that this character has never ceased to be mixed in the society, in the theater world, he represented a type of man, the man who has no right to speak, the man who is oppressed, the man who is uh, in a world which has no place for him and his struggles. But also be is a continuation of a person who is not only frustrated, who loves, who creates, who struggles, and who has a sense of humor, making love people even if the situation is sad. I think you have this in the in Chekhov, you have it in Moliere, you have it in Shakespeare. You see, you laugh very often. If you could cry, you would do it, and you laugh also because if one has a kick somewhere. You are, it's a vengeance. You do a it. vengeance. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, but this character, um, Bip could not be, uh, he can play a prince, he can play a hero, but people know that he is dreaming for that. He has Dream a hope dreamer. of doing, achieving great things, like Don Quixote, like Don Juan, like Lucifer Faust, you know, it's yes. a trilogy. <clears throat> it is a person who has always perspectives. Whereas there is no more purpose, perspective, there is no more hope, there is no more life. And Louis Jouvet, our great, great metteur en scène, said one thing marvelous. He said, I will tell it first in French. Amenés à expliquer le mystère de leur vie, les hommes ont inventé le théâtre. That means led to explain the mystery of their life. People have invented 
the men, people, have yes. invented theater. That's beautiful. Yes. To explain the mystery of life, they invented the theater. That's right. And we think of theater, we think of the purest form, which is yes. pantomime. And I, 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 I'm, I'm in, in the Bible, it is uh, said, yes. first there was action. And then there were words, but first there was action. So this is the basis, the essence. Essence. That's I'm right. trying to try to remember all that you've been saying because I got about 50 <laughs> questions in my mind. I know. You mentioned something about the laughter, a bit being sort of oppressed, pushed around. All that's right. But pushed there's la always there's affirmation. He's alive, and so there's laughter. He laughs through adversity. That's right. That's right. Always he finds a humor, even even when he has difficulties. He First, loves men. He loves people. First, against the elements. You mentioned Bip, uh, uh, the tug of war. Uh, Bip against the wind. First, this oh, is Bip also, against oh, the wind. Oh, in a small coffee or on a tight, a tight of rope. Or, well, I have many new numbers now because I want to tell you an yes. important thing. We shall come back in September and we shall open with a new show at the New York City Center. And after New York, we go to Chicago. Mm -hmm. And just I prepared a complete new show. The first part will be uh, style pantomimes, uh, which is not beep if you want, which is uh, the style exercises, which will show the virtuosity of our art. And the second part will have beep, but with new pantomimes. And the third part, it will be a show only of two, two hours and 20 minutes, but it will be the overcoat of Gogol, which will conclude, it's the first time I come with my company in Paris. Well, in I want uh, New York. In New, yes. in New York. And in Chicago, I want, Chicago, yes. I want to ask about this. There are so many, but I'm trying to remember now. I'm not taking any notes. Uh, overcoat of Gogol. We have seen you alone on the stage. That's right. Doing solo. Yes. And I want to ask you about man and society as well as man. But the overcoat, you have a company? Yes. You see, I have a company in Paris, and it's very funny to see that I'm very known, uh, well, I think, in the United States only for BIP because I'm alone, because it is a complete world by itself. It's an entity by itself. But with the company, it's a completely different world. And it's interesting to bring two parts. There is one part showing BIP alone, mm -hmm. and another part showing what Marceau does with the company. That is the wordless theater with other people and with a story. And the overcoat of Gogol is a classical novel and fantastic for pantomime, I think. The overcoat is a story of a clerk, a poor clerk which works very hard during 10 years to get a new coat because his own one is very shabby. And the tailor doesn't want to repair it because he thinks that this coat is really too shabby. And then, as I told before, he works very hard to get a new one and after 10 years, he has it and he is received everywhere in the big society because even not only his companions, his other clerks uh, think he has money, but his chief, his office chief, thinks that if a man can have a, such a coat after 10 years and live and work and eat and besides have such a fur coat, which is fantastic, mm -hmm. he must have money. And then he begins to be a very important personage in St. Petersburg and he is received everywhere, and after a big uh, social party, highway robbers steal his coat. And in one second, in one minute, a uh, dream is destroyed that represents 10 years of hard work. And I think that is a little the story of everybody 
I don't think that it happens to everybody, but I think that it can happen to everyone. It could. And very often, one minute can destroy a whole world of hopes. I'm sure of that. This seems to lend itself beautifully to the art of pantomime, because several things. Earlier you said the pantomime, the pantomimist must speak the truth. He cannot lie. Yes. And here you have a coat that uh, that is people respect some people the material things but not the man himself so they respect the coat that's and right. not the man that's right that's right it's natural the satire and the tragedy is natural for the pantomime and Gogol says something wonderful he says this man all his life wrote letters very applicated and when he died he was so poor that nobody noticed even he died in the big city of St Petersburg and it's so miserable you see to not be a recognized. Poor soul, a poor soul. Well, and of course, I have other shows uh, like the circus. Oh, before you leave those, yes. I want to ask you about Gogol's The Overcoat and your company. What is the nature of your company? Are these well, your students? Yes. No, I don't speak about students. Not there students. is a one yes. moment they become professionals. Aha. You see, I think the public doesn't come to see students' no. work. They no, want I, to see artists. I agree with you. And there were students at the beginning when they worked with me. You trained them. Yes, they worked with me since 10 years. And I don't think they're students. No. They are always students. Of, excuse me. I am also a student all my life. But I'm a professional. <laughs> that is, uh, we know the limits and the possibilities of our art. And we have to make people forget that our art is difficult. We have to make people forget that we are working on a stage. We have to live in a high degree of art and motion and make people come closer to us, but we, we have not to sit on the knees of the public. There has to be a distance always between the public and us, that the public has to come to the theater because he wants to see dreams, he wants to see illusion, he wants to see magic. If he's not spellbound by magic, there is no necessity for him to go to the theater. He's, uh, he's as fine uh, at home, or he wants magic, he reads a book. He wants magic, he goes to the movie. He wants magic, he listens to Beethoven concerto, uh, Bach, uh, Mozart, or Gershwin, or jazz music. And uh, even he dreams, he sleeps to have magic. That's why uh, there are dreams. And if you go to the theater, we have to offer him that. And I think there is a loss of spectators in many shows which have not the magic people ask. You are hitting something I think most yes. significant. This matter of illusion, the matter of distance. Often illusion is not a thing which is nothing. That is, uh, we have to, to define it completely. Please. Illusion is not something which goes away like that and... No, illusion is something which remains. Illusion is very hard to attain, but it remains. And because we have a need... Longer for than reality. Yes, because we have a need for illusion, you look for it. Of course, to create illusion, you have to begin with nothing. You have to begin of recreating completely reality and motion, well, to recreate at every moment uh, the fragments of life you find in life, but not to recreate it like a photograph, let us say, like a painter or a caricaturist with transposition. Well, the problem of art, of course, recreation. 
you said, well, coming back to the matter of you and art and illusion, we're going to wander as we talk because you, you, you project so many thoughts, so many ideas I want to uh, touch on, ask you about. The company itself, well, I want to get specific, is how large a company that does well, go goals the overcoat? Say? From, uh, we are 12. There are 12 here. Yeah, boys and girls. That means uh, uh, they started with me when they were 20, now they're 30. Uh, approximately, some are younger. And uh, they wanted first to go to the theater, to the world theater, but they were very, let us say, they were gifted for dance, because they had body which were trained. And I think that the mime has to combine the grace of a dancer and the psychology of an actor. That makes that our art is maybe closer to the world theater than dance, because we have to express psychological feelings and not only abstract forms through movement. We have to express through gestures, psychological, tragical, comical situations. Let us say, like the the old silent films Buster Keaton did, uh, Harry Langton, uh, Harry Lloyd Chaplin, of course, uh, Stan Laurel and Hardy, but of course with different ways because we are theater. The grace of a dancer, the art of an actor, the mind. The yeah. the let us say the psychological. The psychology of an actor. Yes. That's yeah. right. Aha! So the oh. mind of the actor. Physical grace. No, no, the, the, yes, the, the, the skill of a dancer yeah. in the body shape, you see, but also the psychological of a world, of a world actor. I can't ask anyone uh, more who is more uh, well versed than you in this matter of the mime itself, this, the history of pantomime. Well, you the say history of the pantomime. Bible, you know, yes. Well, the history of the pantomime, word. we would say that in every society which is organized, there were mimes, but the mime form of art was on a high degree of level. At certain moment in the history of theater, let us say in the antiquity, among Greeks and the Romans, in the Middle Age, especially about the Commedia dell'arte, which existed 300 years, we can find it in the Elizabethan theater, in Shakespeare plays, we have mimes. But the real form of mime theater really comes from the Italian Commedia dell'arte from Italy, from country of the sun and has been, uh, have ruled in France in the 19th century especially. We have seen Les Enfants du Paradis, which gives an idea yes. of the Epoque de Finambule. And the Piero comes from Petrolino, which is the, uh, the Italian Buffon. And uh, Piero is a French uh, white-faced ma mask. It is a poet, it is, uh, what I say, the, the little man. And through Piero, they were the, the uh, films, silent films, but some silent actors were not mimes, but silent actors, mute actors, because there was not word technique in the movie. Ah, yes. And some actors were mimes. If you consider that many actors came from the vaudeville and the show and they didn't speak because there was no uh, as Mechanical I said before, apparatus. That's yes. right. But others were really mimes, like Buster Keaton. He didn't need to speak. He was a mime. He was a mime, and Chaplin too. There is a school of mime you can find in the burlesque films, and the, in the Max Sennett films first, and in the Chaplin films later, and in the Stan Laurel and Harley films. And really for them, Wells did add nothing, because all their art was based on pantomime. Even Chaplin agreed with it. Later, Chaplin has proved that he can speak too, but it was another thing. Yeah, Wells did add nothing to his art, but he was, it was another dimension. It was another world, and he was right to do it, because he 
it was he developed with his age he developed he yes. knew to continue because his genius knew to continue and that is a marvelous thing in art like Picasso does in his paintings he goes through all forms you never stop but he knew he knows his limits when Chaplin was a mime he only chose not to speak because he knew that there was limits and he want he didn't want to go over the border and that's why he chose to be mime. The day he speaks, he goes in the limits of speaking. And you have not to say, why does he speak because he's a mime? No, he speaks like an actor because he wants to. If he mimes, he does mime, not in the same way he did it before. That's why I say, Chaplin was right. If I, for instance, in the theater, do mime, it's not because I am not able to speak. <laughs> you have an example. No, <laughs> I don't stop. I don't stop. <laughs> you see, I'm frustrated after all because I don't stop. And, but, it is because I want to show to people that they had, had not even, even to think that they don't speak. If they think, why does he not speak, our oh, art is poor. If they say, oh, I'm so happy he does not speak, that's good. Mm -hmm. And that I say, they have to say, it was as if he had spoken, you see? Yes. And then eloquence of, of Even more art. than if he had spoken. If you want. You are very kind to me, yes. that. Thank you. No, no. And, um, I say that this is why the art of mime does not express words through gestures like thumb and uh, death thief people, but they express feelings through attitudes. And the day I will speak, if I speak one day, there will be something completely different. There, uh, there's something I want to ask you. Yes. you raise now. It's, I'm going to save it for later. It's a question of credo, your own philosophy about age and youth. But I want to save this. Yes. This to me is most. But I want to remember so many things you've said. I don't want to lose anything. Mm -hmm. You said observe. We are sitting on the fifth floor. We see a great deal of Paris from your yes. studio apartment here. I came up these stairs. I opened by saying, "Très fatigué. I am very tired." And now you live. And now I live. But yes. I thought of these five flights of stairs, these circular staircase, and I thought of your your pantomime act when you're climbing the stairs and going that's right now did this come from actual life mounting these very stairs and another on the thing you see uh, upon the stairs i would say you another anecdote in um japan yes. i was in 35 <coughs> countries as you know in japan uh, i did the staircase and the audience find it tragic or interesting or normal nobody laughed and I, when I did it in New York and Chicago and San Francisco, everybody laughed. And I said, what's funny about that? And I noticed. Tell us about it. Because there is a social recognition. No one, nobody takes stairs in the United States because there are 75 floors. And in Japan, houses are small. Stairs have no use. American public laughed because they identified with somebody, let us say, you live in the 70th floor and uh, it is written, today the lift doesn't go and you have to go upstairs. That's funny. And that's why they, they laughed when I did the stair and when I uh, appeared at the second floor and going on the second floor, I look higher and I say, my yes. God, and I go <laughs> down again. But it was not my purpose. But the American public gave me an idea that they laugh because they reconnect something, a humor, an abstract, a concrete abstraction, but also because they think of the idea, the funny idea of everyday's life. You've raised a most interesting question here. Uh, your discoveries as an actor from the audience, things yeah. you find from the audience. Sometimes oh, I the audience. It, yes, actor. definitely. Yes. First, I make a mule like a, a canvas, yes. and I know they will laugh here, maybe not, maybe yes, but it is precise. 
at the beginning. Because before the mirror, I had to have one eye in my body. You work with the mirror? And oh, yes, and yes. one eye in the audience. And then when I give it to the audience, I look at the reactions and I change a little. If they don't love this point or they not move that point, I change. And after, after three, four times, it is fixed. If people react three, four times in a way, they will react hundred times the same way. And you work that way. Yes. But there's another point you've raised here. The different cultures. You've been through 35 countries. The yes. art of the mime is universal. Yet there are certain acts you do that uh, no, it, achieve yes. various reactions. No, not, yes. Well, maybe in a society which has no contact to Eastern or European culture or civilization. If we would play before Negroes, tribes, who never had been in contact of our civilization, or before Indians, Chivaros, uh, which exist, who exist in Brazil, mm -hmm. and uh, which cuts the heads of the headhunters. Yes, headhunters. Yes. I think uh, they would react in a kind of different way. They would react on the virtuosity of illusion, mm -hmm. tiger uh, rope or something like that. Yes. But they would not laugh at the social. At the social. No. Now you. They can only laugh if they recognize themselves in satire or tragedy. They would maybe be moved in death because everybody has lives and death. That's common to every man. And uh, Japanese people reacted the same way than Americans because after all they have an influence of America and Japan too. And in the, But the Japanese kabuki is completely different because it's traditional uh, melodramatic Japanese theater. But even the actors, Japanese actors, which whom I spoke, they said they they find the same satire because the forms of society are a little the same everywhere now. You're more, yeah, the form of society is the same, they're the same, but you, you, your form of mime seems to me is in two parts. Earlier it's man against the elements. Yes. That is the wind. That's virtuosity, the stairs, yes. But there's also man and society. That's and all right. Various mores. That's right. That's right. And so you, you hit Bip. Bip has. Uh, uh, always For two instance, challenges. I made uh, an interesting experience in this show I gave in Paris called Paris qui rit, Paris qui pleure. There is a pantomime which ends the first part and I have not given yet to the United States and I'm very happy to bring it over. In addition to Gogol's overcoat. Yes, in the first you, part. You it's called The Mask Maker. Tell us about this, that. It's a new thing. It's a new perspective in mind.